We are starting in five, four, three, two, one. Broadcast starting. Good job. You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. You're listening to The Diner on GGR Pirate Radio. I have a super I have a super sweet 90s playlist going right now, so <laughs> nice. Which works perfectly for It does. Yeah. I do want to make sure you make sure you play a celebrity skin by Hole. Okay, I, t- I can take that. Was, that was the end credit yeah. scene, and I sang along to every single word of it. It was awesome. I love that song so much. Me too. Oh, <laughs> it's so good. I just, I have a little bit of an issue with Courtney okay. Love. Oh, well, yeah. Because I'm <laughs> I'm such a huge Nirvana fan, and I and I still to this day believe that um, she was involved in the death of Kurt, and I know that makes me a conspiracy theorist. That's fine. Um <laughs> I wasn't I'm, gonna say it. Well, I'm, I was. I'm okay with it. It's, I just, I, I've, it, it's. Imagine if you're, if, like, your your first hero when you're a kid. You know, like your first, like the first time you hear oh, music, dude, that I'm changes. I'm a huge Nirvana yeah. fan yeah. too. Don't get me wrong. I have yeah. the journals and everything. I'm oh, yeah. a huge fan. So, oh. but I mean, like, I don't. I think maybe that he was depressed and her actions contributed to it, but that was still his depression. There's a there's a documentary called Soaked in Bleach, which is essentially the notes and journal of a private investigator hired by uh, Courtney Love to find Kurt Cobain because he disappeared for, for a month or two yeah. at some point. Uh-huh. And it is super fascinating with when he plays the actual audio recordings of the crazy strung out conversations that he had with Courtney Love where she was talking about. She literally says, oh, well, wouldn't it be a shame if I killed him? Hint, hint, nudge, nudge for the um, insurance money. And you're just like, wait, what the fuck did she just say? Like, That's it's crazy. Yeah, it's you should definitely check it out. But the other thing, too, since you're a huge Nirvana fan, the next time I see you, Emily, I have um, I have the full uh, the full hardcover version of um, uh, Diary of Boda that was done um, and I can't remember the guy's name oh. or the artist but I got a free copy of it to review when I was working for Comics Online oh, um, cool. and I'll have to let you borrow it because it's really really good the art is great the story is cool yeah I haven't yeah. seen that so that's cool yeah I got to that was like two or three years ago that I got to read that and I got a free copy of it so yeah I'll let you uh, I'll let you get your hands on that the next time I see you nice um, so guys as you heard we're kind of already back uh, for episode two, we didn't no official intro, but hey, welcome back! It's another episode of GGR Pirate Radio. Uh, we're back with uh, co-hosting tonight. We got MC Brooks, and we've Hello. also got uh, our special guest, uh, Miss Emily Witten. Hello. Uh, we're talking '90s music. Uh, where how does this tie in with uh, episode one? Well, we were talking about Captain Marvel, and Captain Marvel was just a. If you were a '90s kid, man, that soundtrack was just like it was like flashing back to high school, and. I don't know about you guys, but like I definitely was hitting record on my tape deck on my radio to record a lot of those songs off the radio. <laughs> yeah. Until I had enough money to go buy the CD. Yeah. So that was that was really really cool. And like I just I, I really enjoyed what the the musical choices they made. I know a lot of people were real real gripey about it because they were 
the, the common refrain that I heard from people was, well, it was just such obvious choices for the music. Yeah, so? What's your, I, I only what's your point? saw that when you sent me the, um, when I was reading the Geek Sheets, and I was like, but they're good songs, that's yeah. why they're known and popular. Are you going to just pick songs that nobody knows? Like, why would you that, do that? I mean, Maybe yeah. one or two if they're like a really big favorite of yours. And you think they didn't get enough play? All right, but otherwise, like, if you like it and it was popular, why, why not go with it? Yeah. <laughs> and they fit like all, all yeah. the all the song choices fit in the movie. Like I, I rewatched it earlier today, and none of the song choices sounded like oh they just threw this in here for nostalgia, so you'd be hooked to the movie. Like no, it, the entire soundtrack fit. It's not like yeah. it was Ready Player One where it was like, hey, remember nostalgia? And you're like, wait, like just the concept of nostalgia? <laughs> no, it, it wasn't like it wasn't like force feeding it to you like that. No, it was it was like they actually had a plan for it, which was good. Um, the, the like the one thing they did that I personally it's a stylistic thing that they've done in movies recently. And, and they do it a lot in TV shows like the TV show that's infamous for it is uh, Orange is the New Black. And then I've also noticed that um, The Handmaid's Tale is starting to do it too, where you have a very dramatic scene where something really, really, really like crazy is happening, and they play a song that doesn't fit with it. That's like very like not jarring, but like it's just kind of off, not off-putting, but it just doesn't fit right. Are you um, thinking of the No Doubt song? Yeah, exactly. I'm thinking yeah. like Just a Girl, but honestly, it worked perfectly. That was yeah. it was one of those instances. For this movie, yes. yes, exactly. No, it wouldn't have worked if like you had like you know Bucky and Cap duking it out in Winter Soldier, and then all of a sudden just a girl's playing. Like <laughs> that would be so funny. I would really love to see someone do that. <laughs> I might have to go I'll dub that YouTube. scene after do we get now. done here. <laughs> I I actually I had a I had a buddy of mine who was uh it was in film school and I was helping him for a while because he was like he's like oh I got the cinematic eye but he's like I can't write a story to save my life please help me and I was like okay sure no problem I can help you with it and what we ended up doing was is we had a fight scene but they kept pa- like stopping the fight scene because the songs didn't fit their fight scene and they weren't happy with it so like <laughs> and then they got so frustrated that they ended up just ha- like duking it out to Endless Love by Lionel Richie and Diana Ross and like he was like this doesn't fit and like by the end of the fight they're like singing it to each other and like hugging and stuff like it was yeah it was it was stupid but I thought it was funny so uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like I, I really enjoyed the soundtrack. It was it fit perfectly because the the one thing that I that I really liked about it is every song that you heard, it was like you had an alternative rock station on in the background. It wasn't like a forced like, hey, we're gonna play the top tits in the nineties. No. It was like, hey, here's that garbage song that you heard a million friggin' times and you were like, Oh, alright, yeah, well this this fits with what's going on right now. And, and you pretty much never go wrong with garbage, so this is, there you this go. Is very, very, very true. Anything Shirley Manson is okay by me. Um, yep. So we're talking about '90s music right now. Um, Emily, you, you sound very well versed in this, um, <laughs> which is which we we here at GGR are God. We are all huge music files. Like we, but we all have like a really, really diverse. Taste I mean, in music. I, yeah, I think I am, but like, yeah. I don't know that I know all the things people expect you to know. I know weird, weird things that people don't expect you to know. I don't know. It's a mix, but I, yeah, I I love '90s alternative. So yeah, I mean that's even better because then you can put this on game. There you yeah, go. exactly. I guess. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I'll tell you one of my favorites of all time, uh, who was late '90s when he hit, and like nobody in the U.S. ever knows who it is, is Matthew Good. So. 
from from Canada. Yeah, so. no, I, I know who Matthew. Yeah, yeah. No, okay, so you're the one. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I know that he's he's known, but like he sells out stadiums in Canada, and here I've seen him play acoustic shows of like 40 people, and that's great for me because I get to hang out and you know. But it's so funny because people will be like, "Oh, who's who's one of your favorites?" And I'm like, "Well, the guy in Canada." <laughs> you don't know, but I mean, like I have I have a very diverse taste. I think. I'm not. I'm not huge on uh, probably like some country, but even country I like. So I like Willie Nelson, you know. So like. <laughs> did you Did you grow up in this area? I grew up in Jersey, okay. and uh, my parents grew up in Indiana. And I was born here, but then I grew up in Jersey. And my parents grew up in Indiana, and then um, we lived in New Jersey from when I was two to when I was uh, eighteen, and then I went back to Indiana for school. Then I came here for law school, and I've been here ever since. So, the- but yeah, I mean. The reason Sorry, I yeah. ask that is, is MC and I noticed something that is a common bond that a lot of people who grew up on the East Coast have. Oh, yeah? Is that you have a diverse musical taste because you kind of have to. And I mean, I got all the New York radio stations and stuff like yeah. that. And, and I mean, you know, we got a lot of the biggest... Uh, not only do you get the New York stations, but you also get the things that come out of New York and are syndicated near you and that some people have never even heard of and all of that kind of thing. So yeah. yeah, I think that's probably true. Yeah. It's, it's just one of those things too, where you very rarely like it's, it's, I've noticed it's more of a, like once you start shifting into the Midwest of the country, you'll have people who are like, well, this is my genre and that's pretty much it. But yeah. for this area, like you get a, you have people who are like, oh, I like rap and R and B and a little bit of country and rock and alternative and like, well, and DC is like exclusive, like you're only going to find people from DC and like the Baltimore area that like go-go. Like, I don't think anybody else likes go-go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyone, yeah, outside, anyone outside of the area knows like the one song, the sexy lady song, <laughs> and then maybe, maybe Chuck Brown because Chuck Brown will get play on like Motown stations too. Oh, I That's think I it. know that song, but yeah. And I mean, also I have to give a shout out to my sister who's uh, 11 years older than me and is a huge music person and got me started on a lot of the stuff that was her stuff, but not on the radio. So, I mean, like, I my my first CDs she gave me when I was growing up were, like, Ani DeFranco and Tori Amos, and I, I gave one, I gave a Tori Amos CD uh, to my best friend as a gift, and at the time like legitimately she made fun of me for it and was like what is this and now of course she's like oh yeah i'm a fan you got me into it and i'm like right but (laughs) it was like not the stuff that everybody was listening to on the radio at the particular time but it was really good music and my sister is always she always knows good stuff and still sends me like good music so i still think that that is one of the coolest feelings in the world is like when you you got your little box of stuff that you listen to your music and you have somebody who hips you to something different and you yes. listen to it and you're just like, your mind is blown. You're like, what is this? This is amazing. Like that's, yeah, that is one of the coolest things. And now I get a lot of like TV shows will turn me on to bands. Um, Chuck, when that came out, whoever was choosing the music for that show was amazing. The, I like, uh, there was somebody who put out a Chuck versus the playlist where it had all like all the really like, I think, pretty much every song you could find in that show, which had five seasons. and But I think they put it out third season or second season, so it wasn't everything, but it was so good. And it introduced me to a number of bands that I didn't know before. And like, I still will watch TV and just pull 
whatever it is and immediately buy it if I like it. Like, I'll hear it and I'll look up the lyrics and I'll find it and I'll listen to it enough to make sure it's the same song and then, boop, that's mine. Because, I, I mean, music is great and it you can't ever have too much because it's just part of, yeah, it's part of my life anyway. Not everybody feels that way, maybe, but I do. Yeah, I we, we're... I mean, I'll let MC speak for himself, but yeah, we're all... <laughs> I'm definitely on that bandwagon, too. Like, music is one of those things. Like, uh, it's... Yeah, I'm, I just, I love having it on in the background. I love just, it, it, sometimes that can make all the difference, is it, music. Yes. Like, it's it's wonderful. Um, Quick chunk. Well, and hey, raise your hand. Raise your hand if you have ever walked through your life with your headphones on and, like, there's your, your life soundtrack playing as you walk along. Yeah, that's me every day, it's, right? Me yeah. too. It's ridiculous. I'm like... I like I will just put on the song that makes me feel like this is what I want to be in right now and then I could be walking wherever I'm walking but I feel like the song you know it's it's great yeah <laughs> it, it sets the mood right like yeah exactly, exactly. yeah your own personal soundtrack yeah um <laughs> there there was a little bit more news that I wanted to talk about here guys um <laughs> oh, that oh, yeah, I just thought no no it's, no it, I just I want to get everybody's opinion on this um so he's back James Gunn is going to be back to direct Guardians of the Galaxy 3. This is, on, on a side note, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy because I think he's a great director. I, I've loved James Gunn since I fir- the first movie I saw of his was Slither. And I absolutely fell in love with that movie. And I was like, this this guy is going to be something. Like, he's he's got a really interesting perspective and a way of doing things that, like, most other directors don't do. And he brought that to Guardians of the Galaxy. And it... And it if it if they had given that movie to somebody else, I don't think it would have been as good as it was. And I was very upset when they announced that he wasn't going to be directing the third one for something that he had already addressed and already apologized for because of external pressure from from the guy who was pre- pressuring Disney in the first place is a total piece of shit, by the way. Like, the, the fact that they had to kowtow to him just made me so mad. And, like, the fact that he's back now... I just want to get some impressions, and then we'll kind of talk about like why we think this happened. But like, how are you guys feeling about all of this? Um, we'll, we'll start with our guest Emily. Emily, how do you feel about now that we got James Gunn back for Guardians Three? Well, I mean, it's interesting. I know I actually was on um, Fantastic Forum when we talked about him getting kicked off. So, yeah. <laughs> um, in summary, because this feels like a whole nother like you know hours of talk that I could do. Um, I know that he had said some things on Twitter a long time, a fair amount of time ago that were not good and not, and that were offensive. And then I know that he had apologized about them before he was pressured to do so by an outside force. And I know that he had said that the movie making guardians, the first one helped him to grow as a person. And that a lot of the, you know, themes that are in it were things that he was kind of learning and understanding at the time. And I think that whole progression is really cool. It doesn't excuse things that he said, but it does show that someone can grow and come to regret what they said and say, you know what, that wasn't okay. And at that point, it depends on like, you know, obviously if it's physically hurting another person, et cetera. But if it's something like words and they've come around, then I feel like those are the times when perhaps they deserve a second chance. Yeah. And... You know, I really like his work that I, as far as I've known it, and I just think that in this instance, you know, he received some uh, reprimands, which were not undeserved for what he had said, but to halt his career 
over something he'd already tried to apologize for seemed excessive. Yeah, she she hit the nail on the head pretty much. She pretty much hit every point that I was <laughs> I would have I would I would have hit. And now MC, you see why she's buddies. a guest. Yeah, now you see why, <laughs> yeah. I, why I got her. Mindset yeah. here. It's all good. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> see, the secret behind all of this is, like, Emily was, like, a huge get for us, by the way, because she's a big deal. So, like... <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> uh, you I mean, can't see me, just but to, <laughs> Just to follow up a bit, um, like, that's a... One of the things I've I've really been... I've really been thinking a lot about, I'd say, in, like, the last two years, because this... Kind of came up a little bit with um, another celebrity in, in Donald Glover in that at what point with uh, these these uh, celebrities and, and high profile folks, do you give them an opportunity to grow from the obviously harmful things that they may have said or done in their past? Mm-hmm. And obviously you have to take it on a case by case basis. You wouldn't judge one by the other because, you know, everyone's off- offenses would be different but you know like we live in a time now where for for good reason you know it's we we all have to figure out the things we're okay with and the things we're not okay with because obviously no one walking around now is without their own problematic past in in some regard and so in terms of james in terms of james gunn now i haven't seen any of his movies the Guardians films are the last of the MCU films that I've yet to see, and I'm oh, planning. No. And well, I'm planning to remedy that today, like right after we're done. I just I discovered... totally spoiled something for you. Then I'm sorry, dude. It's fine. I'm like I'm like Mike in the sense where I like I don't care about spoilers. Like I, yeah. I still want to see it. Yeah, <laughs> like ex- I do, but at some point, at some point, the the burden moves from the person who has seen it to the person who hasn't seen it if it's been out for a while. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's been out, it's been out for a, a really long while. So I mean, it, yeah, I can't, I can't avoid Guardians spoilers. Still, it wasn't intentional. I wouldn't do it to you intentionally. Anyway. Your there, point, there yeah. is also there is also like a certain amount of this too that like we I've always wanted to establish this and I kind of think that like it's our role as geeks like I think we should go forward and we should establish what the um like what the statute of limitations is for a spoiler. <laughs> I saw somebody talking about this literally this week on Facebook. They were like, "Is it one week? Is it two weeks? Two weekends?" Because I've got kids and like <laughs> I was like, "I don't know." Just if they say they haven't seen it and they don't want spoilers, then don't spoil it. And if it's online, put it behind a cut, you know, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I tell people to stop talking to me if I don't want to hear it. I, like, I'm like, no, 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 just don't tell me. The only time um, the only time I've ever had one ruined for me, because like for the most part, spoilers don't affect me. Because for me, it's all about execution. Because you can hear somebody say, uh, oh, hey, by the way, like uh, the end of Empire Strikes Back, like Luke and uh, Darth Vader, they fight. And then we find out that Darth Vader is like, actually like Luke's father. And you're like, oh. My oh. God, you- you listen for me. I hate you now. Oh wait, I've seen that movie. Ha ha. You're like somebody tells you that, and you're just like, oh, well, all right, cool. But then you watch it, and like, there's that part where like Vader jumps out of the darkness and almost like almost chops Luke's head off, and you're like, oh shit. Yeah. Like, and then they get to that big reveal. The music swells, and he's like, I am your father, and you're like, oh shit. Like, the that's execution fair. is so important, and like. But at the same time, the only one that's ever been spoiled for me is I went and saw The Sixth Sense in the movie theater. And somebody gets up and goes, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, he's dead. And, like, just walks out. And I was like, and, like, it was, 
oh, dude, I was so mad. You know what? Like, I think that means there's a special rule for M. Night Shyamalan movies because one of the reasons I never saw The Sixth Sense is because someone spoiled it for me. Yeah. <laughs> like, those movies depend on their twists in a way. I think I would have been really upset if someone had spoiled The Prestige for me. Have you oh, seen that movie? Absolutely. Oh, dude, that yeah. Movie, if, if it's a movie dependent on a twist and you spoil the twist, you should be thrown in a pit of lava, really. That's understandable, yeah. I mean, yeah. The, I, is that going to be referred to as Anakin skywalker Should you be Anakin skywalker <laughs> Or cho- you're, you've been chosen one, yeah. yeah. Into, no, what was the, what, you know, he was melting into the lava on that island, whatever, you know what I'm talking about, yeah. right? Yeah, on, yeah, on, Mus- yeah, on Mustafar, Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, that that that's what you should have done to you. If you spoil a twist on purpose or <laughs> even like even like unthinkingly but it's only been out for a week or two, then See, lava pit mountain island thing for, for you. For us was <laughs> for us the Anakin Skywalker was always like when you thought your day couldn't get any worse and then it did because think about like what's going <laughs> what's going through his head, right? He's laying there on on this lava beach, right? And he's like, yeah. "Oh, I just had my my other arm chopped off. I had both my legs chopped off." I probably killed my wife. My best friend hates me. Oh, man, this day couldn't get any worse. And then all of a sudden he's on fire and he's like, and now I'm on fire. Like, I just think Anakin Skywalkering is also wooden acting, but hey. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm so mean. I'm sorry. I I hate them. All of them. Not just the men, but the women and the children and their dogs. I hate them all. There was one good thing about those three, what are they called? The prequels now? You know, the middle three movies. There was one good thing, and I'm prepared to stand behind this. Are you ready? It was her rainbow outfit. That was so pretty. I want to wear it someday. But other than that, those movies stink. That and like, I loved the part when he's fighting uh, Christopher Lee, and it's it, it's oh, it's it's Anakin Anakin Skywalker versus uh, ver, uh, why can't I think of the wizard's name now? Right now, um, Saruman. It's it, him oh, versus Saruman. Yeah, Saruman. And yeah, like, yeah. That's and, ooh ooh, or yeah. um, Ewan McGregor's little Jedi braid. That was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> this is all we can say that's good about those movies that's really sad yeah i mean i I still think the third one was was pretty awesome just watching him get in the suit was pretty pretty intense like that was oh i guess so it's been so long to be honest i've kind of forgotten what happens in the third one i just remember they were all pretty bad and if we talk about jar jar binks i'm gonna literally like (laughs) set someone on fire i don't know so one of the things that i want to kind of pivot back to with with james gunn is (laughs) yeah did you guys did you guys find it funny that essentially what ended up happening was is Disney fired him. DC was like, well, "Fuck, we'll scoop you up." Hey, you want to direct this movie? You want to direct this movie? You know what? Hey, how about this, James Gunn? Here's a giant sack of money. You direct whatever the hell you want cuz you're an awesome director. And it's like Disney got wind of this and they were like, we were just kidding, by the way, James Gunn. You want to come back and direct Guardians no, and 3? Did, he, did like, he get fired as both... I thought he got fired as writer, not director, originally, and that, that was up in the air. Was it... I forget what happened. Which one? Did he get fired from both of them, then? The, yeah, he and wasn't going to direct, and they weren't going to use his script. No, I thought okay, they were okay. going to use his script. Oh, maybe that was it. They were going to use the script, I but thought, he wasn't yeah, I thought they were going to use maybe the script. Was. Yeah, but he just wasn't directing it. Okay, and then now that's what they brought it back. Okay. Because I remember there was one part of it where they might still keep him, and then, like, it... You know, I didn't. I didn't know if that had been resolved in a particular way. So, hmm. yeah. No, I'm. I'm. I, I don't know for sure. I just like. I found it very humorous that like basically like him getting fired from this ended up being a huge thing for his uh, for his career because like, oh, now absolutely. He's, yeah. Yeah. And, and then they brought him back. Like it's yeah. I'm interested to see what he does with the third one. I'm not unhappy he's back. Like I said, I think that in this particular instance, he had paid his due as a 
person who needed growth before he got in trouble with it on the internet. Like, that, he had already addressed it. And you know what? Like, I mean, look, I never said stuff like what he said on Twitter. I don't think I've said anything as offensive as the things that these people have gotten in trouble for. But I was an idiot in college in many ways. I probably did some things or said some things that looking back, I'd be like, what were you thinking? And it wasn't like harmful stuff. Like, let me be clear. I wasn't doing anything that would harm other people. But, you know, we all grow and that's okay. And I do think, as MC was saying, like, depending on the situation and how the person has carried themselves in the present or since what happened, you know, maybe there is a little bit of a statute of limitations on it, especially if it wasn't like, if it if it was hurtful words, but it didn't like physically harm people, then there's a small line to be drawn. There's nothing okay about hurtful words, but do you see what I'm saying? It's like, if they had certain views and grew as a person, then there's a little bit of a limit to what you should do to punish them for something they no longer are. It's not like there shouldn't be any effect on that. Maybe there should, but at some point, sure. Maybe you come back and say, you know what? That could be water under the bridge because we live some of us till we're a hundred years old. And if we're held accountable for things we said when we were 20, when we're a hundred, that seems weird too. But that's that's the thing with, with our, with the world we live in now with this generation, with this society is that this is not the 80s. This is not the 90s where the dumb shit you said and did in high school doesn't exist anymore. Like Yeah. You you literally it never leaves. Yeah, it's it's there forever. And like after it came out with him, you saw it happen to a bunch of baseball players too. There was a big to do oh, yeah. in, in oh, Major yeah. League Baseball about it. And like mm-hmm. I, I I say it I've said this to my my stepdaughter many times. I'm like I don't envy the world you live in because if some of the dumb stuff that I said was I was still being held accountable for 18, 20 <laughs> years later. Oh, dude, like I've been there before. Like we you, you get to a point where you want to be cool. You know, you want people to like you and you see uh-huh. how other people have done it. And you see what James Gunn was doing was no different than what Kevin Smith was doing. What yeah. any of these edgy indie directors were doing where it's like, I have this thing that I'm going to say. It's kind of on the edge. And it's going to be a hot take. And I'm going to do that because people are going to laugh at it because they have the same sick, sarcastic sense of humor that I do. And I mean, honestly, I mean, Kevin Smith's doing all right for himself. Like, let's not be let's not not skew this in any way, shape or form. But his career has suffered because of his his attitude and his. um, Oh, yeah. And he's he's said worse stuff or at least similarly bad stuff. I mean, I like I know he talks shit about everyone. And it I is, had to unfollow him on Twitter because I just couldn't deal with it. <laughs> yeah, he, he it has definitely affected his career, and like, but I mean, I mean, still, like, I'm sure he's laughing all the way to the bank because he, you know, hangs out in his mansion with his beautiful wife and awesome daughter. But like, the, these yeah, are the but things I mean, that you run part into. of that is just who you choose to associate with, whether it be yeah. online or in person. You know. Yeah. Exactly. What and do you want to fill your life with, I guess, basically, yeah. is part of the question. Yeah, and I think the growth thing is very important. And MC and I have talked about this before. Like, it's, it's, something, it's something that GGR stands by. Like, we will not be the website or the podcast that is the, let's say some shocking stuff just to get listens and get follows. Like, that's not who we are. And, like, yep. it's just such a cheap laugh. And it's such a cheap way of doing what it is that you love. And, like, if you have to crap on what other people do just to do your thing, then there's a serious problem there. And, like, 
I, I think that anybody who has ever been creative in any way, shape, or form, or who has wanted to be creative in any way, shape, or form, should know better. Because, I mean, it doesn't take long for the pendulum to swing your way. And I, I do think that it's it makes more sense to have a positive attitude and thought process about stuff. It doesn't mean everyone's going to do it. Yeah. Um, and some people make a whole lot of money off of, or a whole lot of fame, or a whole lot of whatever satisfaction they're looking for out of being you know, offensive or shocking. I mean, look at Howard Stern, you know, like speaking of New Jersey, I grew up listening to him and his stuff was shocking. And I listened to it in part because I was interested in what he was doing. Not as much what he was, I mean, I thought some of what he was saying was interesting, but some of it was offensive, but I was interested in his process and what he was bringing to the radio that we hadn't heard before, or at least that I hadn't heard before. And, you know, it doesn't it doesn't mean that I liked or agreed with everything I heard or even a lot of it, but I thought it was interesting. Yeah, for sure. So it can be it can be a thing that people choose as their milieu or their like decide, you know, deciding point where they're going to be like this. But it's not personally how I choose to be. And I think I think it brings more to my life to be a person who's interested in the good things and you know, not to say I'll not say bad things, like I have a, a huge bone to pick with incels and I'll never stop, but uh, <laughs> that's because yeah. they are awful. And, uh, but you know, if, it, if it's something like, like going back to Captain Marvel, um, and which we were talking about last time, um, I think that there's a lot of good to say about the movie and there can be some negatives too, but it has to be kind of balanced, you know? Whereas people who will go and see a movie, any movie, okay, except the Star Wars ones, I feel bad. I, sh- I shouldn't have said that. No, I'm kidding. I should because it's terrible. But, like, if you can't find anything good to say about the movie, at least no, don't be bitter about the way you say the mean things, you yeah. know? There's, <laughs> there's, a, there's a perfect line, though, and we've, we've, we've addressed this topic before where, like, you cannot have liked the movie. Like, a perfect example is, like, I think Jar Jar Binks as a character was ridiculous. Like, but I'm never going to go to Ahmed Best and meet him at a con and tell him face-to-face that he ruined my childhood. Because he didn't. Because that's that's nonsensical. To say that a movie that came out when you were an adult ruined your childhood, first off, it's hyperbolic. Like, really? A, a movie People ruined your childhood? I'm not oh, yeah. surprised if they did. Oh, that's just so... Oh, no, like, yeah. Like, what he, is the... What... What's the point of that? What do you accomplish? You well, just make somebody feel bad and you oh, yeah. feel what vindicated, I guess. I don't know. It's you it's you somehow feel feel powerful because this person who is a famous movie star and makes money and doing these things, you can take them down a peg. It's the same thing with Twitter. It's like when people tell George Clooney that he sucks on Twitter. It's like you really think George Clooney gives a damn what some dude and like on Twitter thinks about him? Like you know, I I have to say, not all celebrities are pleasant. Not yeah. all celebrities are people I'd want to hang out with. But there are celebrities out there who bring joy to my life. If I see Ted Danson on the street, which I haven't done to date and possibly never will, I if I had an opportunity to talk to him, I'd be like, I love the good place. Your acting is so amazing. I love this. Oh, my gosh. Not quite like that, maybe, because I don't want to scare him off. But the <laughs> point being, like, if you're anyone who enjoys entertainment most of your entertainment experiences are dependent on the celebrities who actually enact them if they're you know a movie or tv related thing or the authors who write them and so i don't really see the point of even if it's a thing you didn't enjoy taking time out of your day to make someone else feel bad just because you didn't 
happened to enjoy the thing. Or it was a terrible directorial choice, Jar Jar Binks. But, you know, whatever. Or writer's <laughs> yeah. choice. I don't know. But it yeah, was, I just, It was I both. He wrote the... and directed him. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I don't see the point of ruining somebody else's day. And especially, like, I, I know I've heard stories about other people going up to actors at a con and being negative to them. And I'm like... Did you wait in line for that? Because you probably did. I mean, maybe not, but you probably waited in line to crap on somebody. That really says a lot of bad stuff about you. you oh, know? yeah, for sure. Like, and yeah. probably heard worse from more famous people. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know what their experiences are like, but I just, I don't know. I just think it's not, it's not worth it. Yeah, it, it, I'm, I'm totally with you. And, like, it's, especially, too, because, like, it, it would literally be, like, flip the script, right? Um, let's say that you are a, uh, let's say you're a lawyer and one of the cases, (laughs) one of the cases, um, present company excluded, of course. Um, (laughs) one of the cases that you worked, you didn't do such a hot job. Right. And you're talking to, uh, Bruce Campbell and you're like, Hey, Bruce Campbell, I really liked you and Ash, you know, Ash vs. evil dead. And he's like, yeah, Hey, I heard about your case where it was, you know, it, it was the state versus, you know, Jim Johnson, man, you really screwed that up. Didn't you? Like, you're just gonna look at Bruce Campbell and be like, "That's some petty shit, dude." Like, I mean, to be fair, if it was a precedential case, that might be deserved. I, yeah. I, I, I'm, not, I'm gonna, I'm just picking a bone with your metaphor because I'm I a gotcha. lawyer. No, if I you screwed yeah. something up and like Roe versus Wade gets overturned, as currently <laughs> there's talk in the news about stuff, then I'd be yeah. like, "What the was your problem? You should have done a better job or gotten someone else to do it for okay, you." Okay, so I guess lawyers but, are a good choice because there's ramifications for the world, but like. <laughs> I'm a lawyer, so I can I can speak to those ramifications. But yeah, I get yeah. I totally get your point. I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, Honestly, though, if Bruce Campbell said it though. It'd probably be pretty funny though, just because he's like he's. I feel like he's one of those guys that can get away with saying anything because he's Bruce Campbell. So like, I, I actually I have to say I, I did meet Bruce Campbell once, and I did I did ask him if I could get a picture with him because I love him in Burn Notice. I know I know Ash vs Evil Dad. I love that stuff too, but I love Burn Notice so much, and I loved him as Sam, and so I asked him if I could get a picture. And he legit was like, oh, yeah, here. And he took the selfie for us. He's such a nice dude. It was really nice. It was fun. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> one, of, one, of the first, one of the first cons I ever went to, um, I was there as an exhibitor. I was selling comic books. And um, his booth was not far from ours. And it was, like, it, it was early. Like, the first day of cons, a lot of times, are dead. Um, yeah. And I went over to him just to, like, just to say hi. I just, yep. like, I wasn't going to bother him. I was just going to be like, hey, Bruce, uh, uh, hi, I'm, I'm just a huge fan. I just wanted to say that I, I think you're awesome. And he stopped me and he was like, hey, come over here. And I was like, I thought he was mad at me at first. I was like, okay. And he was just like, he's like, what are you doing here? And I was like, I'm selling comic books. He's like, where's your comic book? And I showed him the Ethan Stone, the comic book I was selling at the time. And he was just like, this is awesome, man. This is really, really awesome. He's like, he's like, how did you hear about me? And I laughed and I was like, you want to know how I got referred to Bruce Campbell? And he's like, yeah, it's from my website, brucecampbell.com, you know? And I was like, I saw, I was like, I saw Army of Darkness when I was like, maybe like 10 years old on TV. And it was the dopest movie I'd ever seen in my life. I was like, what is this insane movie? And he's just like, he's like, most people your age say the exact same thing. We just had this conversation and like unprompted by me. He was just like, I just want to talk to you. And I was like, sweet cool thanks man and like i didn't even think to be like hey can i get an autograph or a picture no i was just too busy like gushing over the fact that bruce campbell wanted to talk to me oh yeah no it's it's really it's fun and you know i i did get to talk to him a little bit i didn't get to talk to him that much but it doesn't surprise me it also reminds me of um he when he was in the the it's a small underappreciated gem quote unquote the comic book movie have you seen it yes (laughs) 
that Mark Hamill did, and Bruce Campbell is supposed to play the lead, and I just, I don't know, I love that whole thing, because I feel like that's what he'd be like in real life. Yeah, absolutely. Like, based on my very limited interactions with him, I just am like, yeah, that kind of just feels like Bruce Campbell being Bruce Campbell. <laughs> He's like, can I see the mask? What's it like inside? All right, what's the costume going to be like? <laughs> All that stuff. And, oh man, we're like super off topic, aren't we? <laughs> there's no topic anymore. It's fine. Um, <laughs> well, and, in that case, let's talk about hamsters, man. Oh, what? <laughs> MC, what is? Um, give me a celebrity that you've met that you were just like that was so worth the time, or that this guy li- or this woman lived up to every expectation I had. Oh, that is hard. Um, put me on the spot. I know. I'm sorry. Um, I'll, I'll give you a second to think about it. <laughs> yeah, give me a second. Another a second to think. Another one that I had was like I, I got to meet my childhood hero this summer or this past summer. Uh, I got to meet Cal Ripken Jr. and oh, cool. he was he was every bit what any young baseball loving fan in the DC metro area would have expected. Cause I, I walk up to him first off, like it's at a Roy Rogers, right? But he's like, he's got some stake in Roy Rogers. So he does these like signings all the time. And okay. like, <laughs> yeah. So he's, so he's at a Roy Rogers, right? I stand in line. I, I get my Jersey signed, but like when I go up to him, I'm just like, hi, hi Cal. I, I just got to say when I was a kid, you were my hero, man. You're, you're awesome. And he doesn't like, doesn't say like, oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. No, it, nothing. None of it was fake. He just he made eye contact with me for a second, like slightly smiled, and he is like, and he signs my jersey, and he goes, he goes, I'm gonna jazz this jersey up a little bit for you. So he puts like Iron Man record setting, like writes all this extra stuff on my jersey instead of just signing it. And he's like, there you go. Oh, that's man. fun. And it was just <laughs> like he he lived up to every expectation. He was like. He was the one. He was like the hero that you could have that like all your parent that your parents would be okay with because he was like he was hardworking. You know, he loved his parents. Like he he was loyal. Like all of these things. He was modest and like that. He he exuded that just in this like little five minute in- interaction that I had with him when it came to you know a place where they sell burgers and fries. Like it was just it was really really cool. I, you know, I gotta give a big shout out to um, pretty much all the voice actors I've ever met. They are, bar none, some of the nicest celebrities in the industry um, when it comes to movies and TV stuff. I, particularly people like Rob Paulson, but uh, and Phil Lamar and other folks that I that I've had the opportunity to spend time with. But like uh, Jim Cummings, Jess Harnell, Tress McNeil, um, Maurice Lamarche. Uh, I'm just trying to think, like, there's so many lovely voice actors that I've had the opportunity to meet, uh, D. Bradley Baker, and they're just, they're just such nice, genuine people, and they're all, bar none, funny and smart. Like, yeah. every single one of them is very sharp, because you have to be for that job, I, I firmly believe, and I think some of them say. Yeah. Um, and, and they're just, they're just delightful people, and so I tend to gravitate towards I mean, I love what they do anyway. I think it's like magic to see the people doing the voices because, of course, you aren't used to it. You're used to it being a cartoon. Yeah. Um, but I love I love seeing them on panels and I love talking with them. And they're just such interesting people. And they're all, all super over. nice, too. Like Exactly. That's what I'm saying. They're all super yeah. nice. The ones that I... I mean, there might be one out there that's a jerk, but so far, I have had extremely positive experiences with voice actors you mentioned rob paulson and like i love him last last year (laughs) last year we played like two like two or three episodes in a row we played clips from um talking tunes where it like where he would do the they would do a scene from a movie but in different voices oh Um, yeah and it was him and john dimaggio 
Um, but John DiMaggio was Bender, and they were doing the scene from uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey with Hal. And, like, it's the funniest thing ever. And I, we ended up, like, t- I put it on Twitter, and I tagged him. And I was just like, Rob Paulson, you're hilarious. We ha- you know, we talked about you a lot on, the, on this last episode of the podcast. We'd love to have you on. Yeah. Just shooting my shot, not thinking anything would come of it, right? And he messaged me, personally messages me on, on Twitter. And he's like, hey, Mike, Rob Paulson here. I'd love to set something up and be on your podcast. And I was like, oh, this is, what? Like, I, it was, but wait, did, that, did it happen? Was he on the podcast? No, not yet. <laughs> oh man, make it happen! I, and by the way, John DiMaggio is another one. He is a delight, and he is like yeah. larger than life all his life. Basically, I feel. <laughs> I I really want to try to get him on, but at the same time, too, I don't want to be one of those people that like is bugging him. Like, I don't want to keep well, messaging him and get being him on. Like, get yeah. him on, and I'll I'll come on too. We're we're friends. Well, so, I'll come okay. on, and we'll we'll have a good chat. Well, we can talk go. about cars and cowboy boots, and he will know more than you ever will. <laughs> well, there you go. It's, it's I, I won't know very much about cars or cowboy boots, but I know that he loves them. But yeah, um, yeah no, you should get him on the podcast. And I'll, I'll tell you, like, uh, you know, there, I, I'm going to forget people because, like I said, John DiMaggio is another one. But yeah, that, that whole crew of voice folk are delightful. Yeah. Um, we've we've had John St. John on a couple of times, and he's uh-huh. he's going to be at the um, at the Free Comic Book Day event that I'm doing uh, on May the 4th. Um, same thing with Wes Johnson. They're, they're both just, they're so much fun. And, like, when you get two of them together and they both just start riffing, like, it's, oh, God, it's so much fun to be around. Where are you going to be for Free Comic Book Day? Hey, well, let me go ahead and give a free plug here. Um, so yeah. we're going to be at Flashback Comics in Woodbridge, Virginia. Uh, John St. John is going to be there. Wes Johnson, uh, the voice of the Washington Capitals, he's going to be there. Um, I'll be cool. I'll be there as well. I might be able to talk MC Brooks and coming down, too. Um, <laughs> I know it's hard. Like, the wilds of Woodbridge, dude. I know it's hard. Um, <laughs> I, can, but, I can I can just uh, I can just bring Gats with me and we will uh, we can come out there. I like that because we because GGR is actually going to have its own table there. So, oh, oh that's cool! Uh, a, a live I, podcast. I'm down with this. Yeah, I believe that I am going to be. Um, and this is not uh, well. I think I know where I'm going to be. I can't talk about it yet, but I can tell you why, which I, I we mentioned on the last thing. But um, the by the time Free Comic Book Day comes around, my graphic novel series, The Underfoot, is going to have been the first volume Ooh. comes out on April 27th. Let's, so let's put a pin in that real quick because I want to give yeah. I want to give MC a chance here. Did you come up with a, like oh, a celebrity sorry, or? No, no, you're 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 totally fine. I'm blanking really hard right now. Then you know what? We'll figure it out some <laughs> other time. Emily, you've got a book coming out here i do uh, i have a i have a comic book a graphic novel series yeah. um to it so here's can i can i run down the details for you mike you please do because that is actually the little notes that i have for our show that was the next thing i had so go right ahead oh well there you go all right so um you're you're the perfect host and then it just fit naturally into exactly <laughs> what we were talking about it's like i've so, done this before um, yeah, you uh, maybe a few times, you know. So, <laughs> so it's a it's an original graphic novel series called The Underfoot, and it's coming out with Lion Forge Comics April 10th in comic shops, 27th to or I'm sorry, oh 20 23rd, not 27th, 23rd to Amazon and everywhere else. The 27th is when we're doing our launch party in DC. Um, so that's why it's in my head. But April 23rd is when it, when it'll be sent out from Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and all that stuff. Um, but you can get it in comic shops before then on the 10th. And I'm doing it. Uh, it's co-created with Ben Fisher, 
who is also a writer on some of the Grumpy Cat comics and wrote uh, The Great Divide with Dynamite and several other miniseries comics. And Michelle Wen, N-G-U-Y-E-N, is our artist. And she had worked with Ben before on Grumpy Cat. She was in an Eisner-winning anthology. Um, the I think it's Fire Elements, Elements Fire Comics by Creators of Color. It's, it's a longer name, so hopefully I got it right. But... Um, yeah, she's our artist on this and is just drawing amazing stuff. And then our letterer is Tom Zoller. And um, we're super excited. The book is about intelligent hamsters living in a post-apocalyptic DC and trying to survive. <laughs> in the, it's true. That is so trying awesome. Trying to survive in the animal kingdoms that have risen up since the, we call them the giants that were disappeared. In other words, the humans are all gone. So it's all animals all the time having adventures and there's mysteries and friendships and people doing all kinds of stuff and it's well people hamsters hamsters doing all kinds of stuff it's a really fun time we're i mean we think people will enjoy it but also we're just having a blast doing it so that's always my gauge for like will anybody else like this well am i having fun and yes i am having so much fun um we put real science into the books and like really weird easter eggy details it, there could be some stuff that's geek related, but there's also just some stuff that's like almost puzzle related or, or like connection related. I don't know how to describe it without spoiling anything. But uh, yeah, in the first one, our little group of hamster aquatic mercenaries, the ham, have to help their badger allies from uh, a flood that's that's going to wipe out the badger homes. And so that's their that's their mission. And a whole bunch of little hamster pups are trying to be the next ham because that's like the elite group in their little burrow. So that's what the book is about. Feel free to ask me any questions. I just, I think it's cool that you're going with the ham. Like, cause yeah. well, just because <laughs> that like, was the original name of the book, but yeah. we could, I like, we were afraid people would get it confused with pigs, but I just, I really <laughs> wanted to name it just ham with an exclamation point because it's just so much fun for me. But um, well, yeah, <laughs> especially too, because like if it, like literally if like he's, you know, defeating off, a pack of like post-apocalyptic um, zombified like mice that live in the uh, remnants of what the metro stations used to be. You know, he's like, "All right, guys, now it's time. Now it's time to go ham." Like, I mean, like, how cool is that? Like, that's just a superhero well, I, I line right there. Zombified mice, but there are certainly some other dangers in their world. And uh, yeah, no, the the hammer, the hammer, pretty serious business. Um, but the first, the first book is called "The Underfoot, The Mighty Deep." And that's because they are aquatic mercenaries, and uh, yeah, we're super excited about it. Um, yeah, I don't. I, I'm happy to talk about anything else. Do you have any questions? So, I, MC, I want to. I want you to ask these questions, and the reason why is because I know where the motivation came from for the characters to be hamsters, <laughs> just because I follow. Right, well, I, I follow you on social media, so MC, it's all yours, bud. <laughs> all right. Well, then I'll, I'll ask the obvious question: Where'd you get the inspiration from for this? <laughs> Oh, that's too funny. Um, I have a hamster. I have a tiny little adorable dwarf hamster named Lily. And um, I've had three dwarf hamsters before her because unfortunately they don't live forever. And before that I had mice and I had gerbils and I had chinchillas and I just love little like rodent creatures. They're so cute to me. Um, so Ben had written a, uh, a, com- a, th- a miniseries comic called Splitsville. And I thought it was, I, I got it through my friend, Kevin, uh, Kevin Stokes, who did the art for it. And I did a review and it was just a really clever, funny book. So I did a review and I put my review, you know, I linked it on Twitter 
and Ben found it. And I mean, I, I think I tagged him, so it wasn't like hard to find, you know, but, um, but he, st- he found that I had a Twitter account as my hamster at the time. So there was my hamster. Her name was Izzy. Isabel Stowe Hamsterlet after a, a Discworld character from the Terry Pratchett series called Is- Isabel Stowe Hewlett. And um, Izzy had her own Twitter account, Bitty Miss Izzy, which is still there but dormant because Izzy passed away, which was sad. Um, and Ben started talking to me as a hamster. So he was talking to my hamster as a hamster. <laughs> <laughs> on on this account and after a little while we were like i think he was like we should write a comic or maybe i was i don't remember somebody was like we should write a comic and started talking more in real life and that was seven years ago <laughs> that's awesome yeah like that I just, is awesome i remember like i remember following like it was after an episode of fantastic forum um, I like followed you on social media and you were explaining to me your, your Instagram. You were like, Oh, well it's, it's all like stylized from the perspective of my hamster. And I was like, huh? All right, cool. <laughs> and like, I started following it and it was actually, it was, it was really adorable, but really fun too. And like, as, as somebody who also loves animals, in fact, the last two Instagram posts I've made involve my pet rabbit that I have. Um, it's yeah, like it, it's, it's just, it's adorable and it's fun and it's cute. And like, it's, we kind of talked about this too in a, in a world of social media where there's just so much negativity and anger and hate and like shit posting. It's nice to have some things like this every now and then that are just like funny and cute. And like, it's why, it's why like cat videos are so popular, you know, like it's for real. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was a little under the weather this morning and last night and I was looking at, um, mini border collies and Shetland sheepdogs on, on like just online because they're so cute and their little faces are so cute. And that just made me feel happy. But I I actually just got a, a new little hamster bed for Lily and I'm going to post some pictures and it's the most (laughs) ridiculously, it's so cute. You have to see it. So that'll go up. But that's how we started writing the book. Yeah. And, and that one of the reasons it's been seven years in the making is because we're both full-time attorneys and also, I, you know, I've been doing comics journalism and Ben's been writing other comics. So we both have had two other jobs at least during the time that this has been going on. But also, and this is really important, um, we've been world building the whole time. So we have a trilogy coming out and uh, we have enough to write 10 books and hopefully we'll get to. But awesome. it's it's yeah, there's. There's story on top of story, and if you read yeah. the first book, you'll know, you'll see that there's more to it, and then it, it starts coming out, and then you'll still hopefully be surprised because there's a whole bunch more than what we're showing you in the first book, you know? So, yeah, it's pretty sure. exciting. For sure. Um, is, is this, was this the dream? Was, was this what you wanted to do, you know, like, you know, young Emily reading her graphic novels, like, was like, I want to be an artist one day, I want to be a writer, like, is this what you kind of, <laughs> how you envisioned it, or is this just something that kind of fell into place? Well, you know what I love about that kind of thing is, um, I read a few comics when I was a kid, because my older sister had some comics, and when I say some, I mean about six. I mean, she had some Archie Digest, a couple of Richie Riches, and, like, maybe another one like that. I don't remember. Um, So it wasn't very many, and then I watched cartoons, so X-Men, Batman, you know, etc., but I didn't read comics until law school when I started reading Deadpool. Um, and, and I got really into Deadpool and I had, I have a website that's now defunct called Ask Deadpool and I was Deadpool on, on that site for a number of years. Um, nobody actually knew who it was. I was still anonymous at that point. But, um, when I was growing up, 
I was always writing things. So even though I didn't ever aspire when I was a kid to be a comics writer, because I didn't even think about that as a thing, I'd had so little exposure to it. Um, in, in high school, and I was the editor-in-chief of the literary magazine, um, I won some poetry contests and short fiction contests when I was growing up. And then I you know, went into journalism as part of my college career. Um, and, and beyond, because, you know, I've been writing for Comic Mix since 2012 and then for some other websites like Movers and Shakers and, and places like that. So it's it's always been part of my life. And I always had it in my head that I wanted to write and I wanted to write fiction. But I also didn't want to write something until I had something I was really passionate to write. So I've got a, a number of things on the back burner that I'll eventually get into more. But this was the one that made the most sense to write as a fiction piece. And it happens to be one that fits really well into comics and that I have another comics writer working with me and we've got a great artist and all of that. But, um, you know, I could just as easily have started out my writing, like published writing career, professionally published writing career as a novel or a short fiction thing or whatever. It just so happens that this is what came together at this time. Okay. Yeah. So it, it was never... It was you wanted you love writing and that's that's always, I love writing I love yeah. story building yeah, yeah. I love creating stories yeah. and crafting words and all that stuff it's so nerdy and it's so great and I love it hey you're, um, you're preaching to the choir on this one I'm the same way yeah so. absolutely exactly <laughs> yeah um, MC any more questions um I did kind of have I did kind of have one but it's kind of it's a weird question but the best kind <laughs> so. On the subject of world building, because I, I made a Facebook status earlier, because I, I I get really annoyed when, like, whenever I read things, like I, I'm very interested in world building. Whenever I'm reading new things or watching new media, whether it be movies, TV shows, comics, books, just whatever, I love world building. I love seeing how people set up the stories. But like, one, like a pet peeve of mine that I hear very often with. Uh, movies. I heard it about Captain Marvel. I heard it. I've, I've heard it about several other types of shows too, which is people complaining about media starting slow, or saying that like the beginning parts are slow. And mm -hmm. I don't know. For me, I, like I said, I love world building. So like, I don't care if they're not jumping immediately into kind of like the main plot as soon as something begins. So my question to you is, as a you know, speaking as a writer. How do you find that balance between making sure you're setting up enough story so that what you're writing has or it makes sense, but then also like advancing it so that your reader can, you know, will still want to uh, read what you're writing? That yeah, I mean, I actually like I'm not against jumping right into the middle of a story. I'm not saying that's how I'd start every story because there's many good different ways to really get a story going. Um, that don't have to do with just like, it has to be this little bit of the world and then that little bit of the world. There's a number of different approaches to starting out a story, jumping into the middle of one of them. The thing that I think is really important, um, and maybe that's why it's seven years since we started building this thing, and maybe other people will approach it differently and get something published sooner. But um, what I mean by world building is that I know, and Ben knows, and now Michelle knows, you know, we know what it looks like in that world, in our heads. So we're seeing it in our heads, and it's deep. 
So there are about 20 layers more than you see in the book that are going on and eventually will be revealed in pieces, you know, however long the series goes on. But it's also very important not to feel like you have to reveal them all at once. And there's, I don't like, I don't like a world where everything comes out in the beginning and you're like, okay, you're in this kind of utopia and there are flying cars everywhere and everyone goes to work at exactly the same time and this and this and this. You don't need all of that. So like our story starts out with a mission and all you know about it is that like, here's these little hamsters and they've got a mission, but as they talk about it, just even their vocabulary and even what they're, what they're saying about their world starts to map out for you where these hamsters are. So we have a scene and it's actually, it's actually released in, in a preview page. So I'll, you know, say it cause it's out there on the internet already. Um, there's a scene where they're all in their little, essentially their, their war room, their meeting room. And the, one of the leaders of the group is laying out this new mission that they have. And the others are saying, well, okay, but that's this far from here. And, oh, we've heard that they're working with this, this animal and, oh, that's never happened before. But even as they say it, they're using vocabulary that is unique and distinct to the hamsters, but it's not so crazy off that you wouldn't understand it. So, um, slang for badgers, this is real slang is, is brock. That's a, that's a slang term in real life for badgers. And so they don't, they don't always call them badgers. Um, and then they call birds feathers because they have feathers. And so it's like different stuff that builds how they look at the world and you're seeing it, but it's not interrupting the story. Because I don't think that I, <laughs> my friend Cleolinda, my friend Cleolinda, who is a great, hilarious writer online um she has called it uh something to the i think it's like oh now we're going to the department of backstory oh now we're taking a trip to the history of exposition and like that's not something you need to do you don't need to go all the way to the department of backstory and pull out your backstory and tell all of it you know otherwise you'd be like where did the hamsters come from and in the first two pages you'd know well you don't know that at first you start to see that about i don't know uh, uh second chapter of a four chapter book and even by the end of the first book, you don't know everything about it and neither do they. And that's part of the fun of the book that we're writing is that they don't have all the answers to their own history. And maybe they'll find some of them, maybe they won't, but you're learning it kind of as they're learning it for parts of it. And then there's other stuff that's super well established, but again, it comes out in pieces. You see them doing a thing and it's clear that it's part of the routine of the things that they do. You know, that sort of thing. So I think I, I'm very strongly against um, backstory or world building for the sake of it. I'm very strongly for the authors or creators having a really strong, detailed, and possibly layered picture of what their world is like so that it bleeds into their writing. And then you have to go back and make sure that enough is in the story for people to understand it who aren't living in your head. And that's the hardest part. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there. Yeah. Oh my God. Have I been there? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This makes sense and, to and me, but will it make sense why, to everybody and that's else? Why editors, yeah. That's why editors are also very, uh, very great. Our editors over at Lion Forge, you know, they, they're really pleased with our story, but every now and again, they'll come up and be like, Oh, where did this come from? And we'll be like, Oh, we need to add two sentences right here. You know, <laughs> like to make sure that everybody else knows what we all know in our heads, you know? And that's, I, I'm very strong on, um, 
good editors, you know, like, obviously, not everyone's an editor, but I know some people are like, oh, I don't believe in my work being edited. No, no, no. Editing is fine. Do it yourself. Then if you can, give it to someone else to do, too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, Emily, so if we wanted to pre-order your book, where would we go about doing this? Okay, so there's many ways you can do it, but I will give you a couple right here. And one of them is you can call up your comic shop and you can tell them you would like to pre-order it. And there's a code for that, which I will find for you in just a moment if I can do that. Um, And while I'm finding that for you, I can also tell you that uh, you can go to Amazon or Barnes and Noble uh, and you can pre-order. I know you can pre-order on Amazon. I believe you can pre-order on Barnes and Noble as well. And there are going to be other, you know, it'll come out to all the book retailers. So, all right. So I've got the code. It's FEB, like February, 191844. So if you tell your comic shop, and you can also just tell them the underfoot, Emily Witten, Ben Fisher. But uh, if you give them that code, they should be able to find it. And that, again, you can pre-order it to come out uh, April 10th. And then otherwise, you can go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, other places, and pre-order it. And uh, please do. It'd be awesome if you do. Well, there you go. I mean, like, I just, I, I love, I mean, I grew up being a, uh, I read the Lord of the Rings trilogy before I watched the movies as a kid. And I, I love when you can read something and you feel like you're in a whole different world. Like, that's one of my, one of my favorite things about, about reading is, is you literally can be elsewhere more or less me too yeah and i do i do really firmly believe in not talking down to readers like if if you jump them right into the world and you give them enough clues as to what's going on and where you are then they can handle it and they'll pick it up as the book goes along and all that kind of thing and so we definitely write for everybody and we definitely write as if you're an intelligent reader who's going to get into this thing and enjoy it so hopefully hopefully people will also if um it's a very nascent site right now but if people go to the emilyesse.com and click on the underfoot there's a link directly there um that you can order from amazon and the code is there too and there's a link at the bottom if you want to see some preview pages so feel free people check it out sweet good stuff i actually just looked up your website too so yeah i see what you're saying like it's it's bare bones right now but it's getting there so it, it's super bare bones i am currently you know we're planning our appearances at c2e2 i'm gonna be at planet comic-con uh in kansas city moderating panels after that we've got the launch party in dc to plan you guys are invited um which is gonna be the same weekend as awesome con so there's a lot going on right now because we're also writing the second book um <laughs> it's already in the works it's already got art the second book is already like a third of the way done so there's a lot going on right now and in between all that i am doing my best to get this stuff online (laughs) okay so um i i want to go ahead and wrap things up here um emily thank you so much for joining us but what we're gonna do is if you thought you were gonna get off of this episode without getting grilled by me and mc you were mistaken my friend um Ah. it's gonna be rapid fire questions because we want to know more about emily witten um, oh nothing too hard. I'm, I'm just joking about grilling you. <laughs> uh, but we do this. We do this. With I any... trusted you, Mike. I trusted you. You no, were the kidding. chosen one. Um, <laughs> Give uh, me my chosen weapon. There's always an epic weapon. <laughs> um, it's all. We, the, the reason we do this is we, we want to get to know our guests. We want to get to know the people that we like to talk to. And cool. it's, it's literally just the getting to know you stuff. So 
let's start with, and, I, and what we're going to do is we're going to go back and forth here. I'm going to give you a rapid fire question here. You answer the first thing that comes to your head. MC is going to do this. We'll do like maybe 10 questions or so, and then we'll go ahead and wrap up. But here, the, the first right. question that we have for Miss Emily Witten and one of our favorites to ask everybody, if you had to come up with five, you only get five, and this is what makes it fun. you got to come up with them off the top of your head. Your five what? favorite bands of all time, what are those five favorite bands? Oh, shit. Um, five favorite <laughs> bands. Well, Matthew Good Band, I already mentioned them. Uh, does Ani DeFranco or Tori Most count as a band? I don't know. I'm going to put both of them in there because they're still on my favorites list. Um, Pearl Jam for the old school. And in the new school, uh, oh, gosh, it's a hard choice. Of Monsters and Men. That's a good one. There's oh, so many more, choice. though, you guys. Come on. There's so many. I could do modern ones. I could do back in the day. Ah, all right. Those are my five <laughs> for the moment. If you see what we're doing here, Emily, we're teasing for another episode and a return of nice. Miss Emily Witt- Witten to our show. <laughs> and you can talk about all of those things. So, MC, it's your turn. Right. Go. All right. Who has the best French fries? Ooh, do I get choices or is it just who has the best French off the, fries? Yeah, off the top of your head. If you right, could go if anywhere if in the world to get your favorite. Chains, if it's fast food chains, sadly, McDonald's, for all their healthy non-healthiness, has the best, best fries. But I'm going to give a shout out to the neighborhood place, Ragtime. Over here in the Arlington area, does really good waffle fries. So go visit them. They have really good food. Woo! And I cocktails. Take note of that. Yeah. All right. Um, since we're on the, the food topic, they're near and dear to my heart. It's my favorite uh, device for eating a meal, and that would be a sandwich. Emily, what is your favorite sandwich? Oh, man. Chicken salad with Havarti and avocado. Done. Man, you didn't even Ooh, have to think about that. On a brioche that. bun. On a brioche bun or a croissant. That's even better. You, you didn't go. even now have to done. think about that. Nope. I'm very solid on my salad, my chicken salad sandwich choices. <laughs> uh, is a Cheeto a chip? No. It's a Cheeto. Come on. <laughs> you can't You can't pick anything up with it. It's not a chip. Wow. I agree. Man. You can dip it, but you can't pick something up with it. It's See, not a chip. And what you're doing right now, Emily, and, and your your lawyer skills are, are presenting themselves because you're giving <laughs> us fine definition and description of what things are. Like, Your Honor, if it pleases the court, I, I want to have this case thrown out as a mistrial. A Cheeto is not a chip because you can't pick anything up with it. And then you just like drop the mic and walk off. <laughs> that is right, man. I will do that. <laughs> um, when you were a kid, we all yeah. had one. We all had a VHS or Betamax if you were special um, that we wore out, that we watched endlessly. There, Quantum Leap, baby. Quantum oh, Leap. Nice choice. I was, I was, hard- I love Quantum Leap, oh. but I will also shout out Princess Bride, Clue, and Running Scared, my three favorite sick day movies. Those are, those are great. Those are great. I just had my heart broken because I, for whatever reason, I watched Quantum Leap a lot when I was a kid and oh, so it was on Hulu. They brought it on to Hulu. And I was watching it from the beginning all the way through, and I didn't get to finish it because I ran out of time and they took oh, it off of Hulu. No. Well, I've got all the DVDs, or all the, yeah, all the DVDs, so if you ever need one, I got them. I think we might have to have, like, a hostage exchange where I let you borrow uh, The Diary of Boda and I get some quantum. I mean, this sounds like a good I, I think you guys just have to come over and watch it because I'm not sure I'll let them out of my apartment. So. I, you know what? I can, under, I can understand that, you know? Ultimately, They're very dear to me. Because ultimately, <laughs> Dr. Sam Beckett is just looking for that final leap home. So, Oh, man. Can I tell you guys? I, I legitimately, I'm going to interrupt your question thing for one second to say I have not met Scott Bakula, although I did get to see him in Ford's Theater doing Shenandoah. But I did legitimately tell the PR person. 
you that I would donate a whole smile's worth of money if he could get me uh, a meet and greet with, with Scott Bakula. And unfortunately, there was no time, but he tried. Oh, dude. Man, Scott Bakula, be... one of these days, dude. Anyway. Yeah, that, that episode, the episode where he's the understudy and Don Quixote is one oh, of my so favorite great. episodes. I love that one. I love that one. Oh, there's so many I love. Yeah, that's that's real. I love when he and Al switch places. That's a really great one. Yeah, oh, that is so a good many. one, too. Yeah, see, now I'm going to have to, I got to try to find a way to watch this. Um, MC, <laughs> MC, your turn, bud. Okay. Uh, okay, so let's say you're 10 years old. What TV show was the show that you, like, ran home after school that you just had to catch while it was still Animaniacs. On. Animaniacs. Wasn't that nice. right time for that? Yeah. I think Excellent so. choice. Yeah, yeah I, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Tiny, Tiny Toons and then Animaniacs. So, Both of those. I love Tiny Toons. If, yep. anybody, if anybody ever questioned my, my nerd uh, card, they like pulled my card on me and they're like, we don't think you're actually a nerd. Uh, let me state this. And this is how I knew that I was going to transition from being a jock to a nerd. Because I started off being a jock. I was playing football. I was wrestling. I was playing you baseball. Can be both. I know you can be both. But, like, at the time, in the 90s, you couldn't. So I definitely ah, had to make I, that choice. I did a ton of sports. I, <laughs> I did sports my whole uh, – through college. All yeah. the way through college. Yeah. Well, no, and, and I did too. That was that was the, the – you know, okay. So you can be both. Yeah. But anyways, I had to make the, the, the tough choice, you know. Like, I had to make the – the, the choice between going to the dark side or, or staying with Padme, just like Anakin did. Um, it was it was either get it was either lose my starting spot on my middle school football team, or go oh. or go home and watch the X Men Phoenix Saga that Fox was showing. Oh, I love the X Men cartoon. And I definitely oh, that chose. Been a hard choice. I definitely yeah. chose the X Men over my football spot. And like I came X-Men back. X Men was great. Oh. Oh. And Batman animated. Oh, oh dude! Absolutely. I came yeah. back to football practice, and my coach like was screaming at me and yelling at me, and like made me run <laughs> laps, and like, and all I'm thinking of is like, man, how is Jean Grey gonna get out of this one? Like, she's got the Phoenix Force, and like Professor Xavier is bad. There's this Lander chick. I don't know what the hell's going on. Like, it was. Oh my god, awesome. I'm so psyched for the Dark Phoenix movie. By the way. Yeah, me too. So I am. Good. I am too. Speaking speaking of which, this is our, my last question, and we'll give MC one last question here. Um, all you've, right. You've got one storyline for any comic book it is doesn't matter which one it is but you've been wanting to see it done right on the big screen what is it oh shoot because oh, I mean they've done Deadpool now and that's well okay yeah yeah I want to see the Cable and Deadpool storyline from Cable and Deadpool okay which I don't know how they could do it exactly but when when they're on Providence and that whole crazy thing goes down all that stuff that I just love Cable and Deadpool so maybe that but also like I know why they had to do Civil War the way they did but I would have liked it also the way it was in the comics except that I think even the comics could have grown more done better um so oh it's so hard oh crap okay you know what I would like to see um them try to execute Neil Gaiman's Sandman done Ooh. good luck people haha <laughs> <Ooh, that is laughs> that's hard one. yeah right that's hard I'd like to see it though that is a good one all right MC <laughs> Bring us home, bud. All right. I'll keep it really, really, really simple. Really, really simple. Do you have a favorite sports team? I do. Sort of. I do. Um, yeah. I like the Caps. I'm a hockey person. I like the Caps. <sighs> Going to fit in perfectly. Yes. Yeah. 
Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're all but right, But I'm not Mary. an expert like I am in certain comics and geek-related things. I am a Caps fan. I am not a Caps fanatic. And that's just because I don't, I don't memorize it the way I do other stuff. <laughs> but you don't have to be because, again, we're not gatekeepers. It's okay. Yeah, we're not gatekeepers. <laughs> I'm just telling you. We're not going to be like, you. hey, list every OV goal from the last four years. <laughs> all, all I'm saying is I can tell you stuff about Oshi and stuff like that. But if you ask me for every player's name, I will draw blanks. <laughs> <laughs> I know like five players, so we're we're in the same boat. Hey, it's that's a- cool. I, I could probably come up with five if I thought really hard. I love going to the games, though. I love watching them in person. I like watching things live way more than on TV. I'm, so yeah, and that one's I, I'm stoked because um, next Saturday is going to be my ten year old son Jax's first Washington Capitals game. Um, <gasps> Yay! That's awesome. Friend of of GGR, uh, Mark Lutz, uh, was nice enough to get tickets for us. So the three of us are going to go, and we get to go down to the penalty box after the game, and we get to meet Wes Johnson, and it's just like... and Oh, that's super cool. Yeah, Jax is just losing his mind. He's like, this is going to be so cool. We get to go down to the penalty box. We get to do that. And I'm like, yes, I know. I know. It's going to be awesome. Just be patient, buddy. I swear it's going to be great. I got I got to go my cousin has season tickets and I got to go to the ticket holder party one time and yeah. they did it in the Natural History Museum and it was really oh, cool. I got dope. to meet I got to meet some of the players, I got some signatures or autographs, but also they opened up the butterfly room and you could walk through the butterfly room with hardly any weight and that was amazing because I love butterflies. That so is, that is really if awesome. you if you haven't been, you walk through and butterflies will land on you oh, and just the- be flying all around. It's like you have to go in a few at a time and then you aren't like someone has to leave before the next person comes in because you can only have up to like, I don't know, eight or ten people in there at a time. And it's a very small area with live butterflies of all kinds that will fly around. It's so cool. Yeah, it's really cool. And you have to be really careful because they literally fly everywhere. You have to be very sure that you're not about to accidentally step on one. I, I had a Morpho butterfly, which is one of my absolute favorite kinds, land on my arm and be my buddy and just ride through the whole room with me. <laughs> and then I had to finally get them to brush him off with a paintbrush or whatever they do, because, you know, like they have those little brushes. And I had to leave because my cousins were waiting. I would have stood there all day, but my cousin was waiting for me. Just, so. lay, just lay down on the floor and put your ar- arms <laughs> yeah, and hands out, starfish like, style. Cool. Yeah. You're my new friends. We'll, we'll be together forever and have butterfly adventures, they, um... you know? <laughs> In, in Disney, right. every year in Disney they do, or in Epcot, they do a Flower and Garden Festival. And oh, yeah. they have, like, these butterfly tents, right? And um, I I made, not a spectacle, spectacle's the wrong word, but I, I definitely stopped what I was doing Disney-wise because there was a little baby bunny that was trapped in the tent because you know how they have, like, ducks oh. and rabbits and stuff that are yeah. living all over? Somehow the little baby rabbit had gotten into the tent and he didn't know how to get out. So I, like... I, I stopped what I was doing, and my wife was like, "Where, where did, you, where did Mike go? Where did Mike go?" And she sees me, and she's like, "Oh, he's saving the baby bunny." Because that's just like, Aww. yeah, and like I, I kind of feel like, belong in Disney movies. Let's I know, be honest, right? like, saving the baby bunnies and hanging out with the butterflies. And, yeah. oh, the the flower, uh, the flower and garden one is the only festival I haven't been to at Epcot, and I'd really like to go, but yeah, I just super, it hasn't been the right time. They're super yeah. fun. We'll, we'll have to have a conversation about that offline here because uh, I'm kind of you. You were talking about fanatic, fanatics. I'm just borderline. Of Disney fanatic, but we'll talk. Oh man, save it for another episode. We'll, we'll do an save episode it for on another Disney. episode. Yeah, guys. So uh, if you hadn't caught the fact that we've mentioned her name and her website, like I don't know, like eight times now, uh, this was Emily. <laughs> this is Emily Witten that we were speaking to. Uh, you can check out her website because she's got a dope ass comic coming up. Um, the yeah. title of the book is called The Underfoot: uh, The Mighty Deep. 
Uh, it's going to be on Amazon. It's on Barnes & Noble. It's pretty much anywhere you can get a book, you can get it. If you go to your comic book shop and you're trying to special order this, which you should, you should pre-order this joint, uh, the code is F as in Frank, E as in Echo, B as in Bravo, 191844. And just remember, Emily Witten, Ben Fisher, those are the people that are helping uh, create this uh, comic book. Or you can go to our website. It's theemilyesse.com. This is April 10th when this is coming out, so you want to make sure that you pre-order that as soon as you possibly can. Emily, thank you so much for coming on uh, this evening. Were there any parting words that you had for uh, for all of our listeners out there? Oh, man. I don't, this was really fun. Thanks, guys, for having me on. And I really actually enjoyed the rapid-fire questions way more than my... I was like, oh, I have to be ready. And then it was just all fun. So, you know, we should talk again. And listeners, uh, I sure as heck hope you enjoyed it. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> I am I am almost 100% positive that they did. Uh, but MC, any parting words for us before we go ahead and, uh, and hit the road? Uh, no. Just uh, thanks to Emily for joining us. This was fun. Yeah, Thanks, no, MC. It definitely was a lot of uh, a lot of fun, and uh, a growing trend that we have here is uh, it started off actually, and I asked Steve about it to see if there was any like meaning behind it. But the first intro that we ever had to GGR Pirate Radio was the song "Debaser" by the Pixies, and I asked him, I was like, "Why'd you choose that song? Is it like you know really awesome?" He's like, "No, it's just got a good beat," and I was like, "Really?" <laughs> Like, I was really hoping for, like, a deeper meaning here. And he's like, nope, good beat. So we now end we now end every episode in honor of that because that was our first intro. So And it's an awesome song, too, and I love the Pixies. So we're going to go ahead and close the show out with a little debaser by the Pixies. Guys, thank you so much for listening to what we do. Um, every time. I, I mean, I say this every end of every episode. It's incredibly humbling that people take time out of their day uh, to listen to our nonsense and read our website and and patronize our website and share it with their friends it's awesome i I just can't thank you enough for being part of this journey that we have here at uh the great geek refuge so stay tuned we got more coming up um we're gonna have all sorts of great content uh we're gonna have more podcasts coming up for you but for emily for mc brooks my name is mike lunsford and this has been ggr pirate radio Thank you for listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Make sure you check out our website, greatgeekrefuge.com, for more podcasts and our awesome articles. This has been Pirate Radio Network Production Juice Bags. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, boy!